Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Stage, the Opera Podcast. Today, we are talking about one of the biggest issues that plagues performing artists, which is, of course, performance anxiety. So in this episode, we are going to talk with the amazing countertenor and anxiety coach, Daniel Keating Roberts. He has some amazing tips and tricks for you to use as you practice new thoughts that will help you to be your best self in the practice room, the audition room, and of course, on the big stage. Is everyone saying no to your singing career? Well, we here at Take the Stage Opera Podcast say toy, toy, toy. Find out what is holding you back so you can stop waiting in the wings and go out and get your standing ovation. There are no forbidden topics here, so get your ticket and find your seat. In Boca Lupo. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today on Take the Stage podcast. I'm your host, Evan, and of course, I will be joined by Mariah. And we are so excited for our guest today. We had a great interview and learned so much from him. Um, And we also, before we begin with the episode, wanted to just make a couple of announcements about um, courses that are coming up and exciting content. So make sure that you are subscribed. Um, Also follow us on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you like to use. And um, also um, some exciting options for you out there, especially as we're talking about anxiety, performance anxiety this month. If you would like to work with a coach or someone that can help guide you through some thoughts, some thought work and, and practice ways to get through anxiety in the practice room, on the stage, wherever it might be plaguing you. Um, I am now a certified and professional life coach. If you would be interested in doing some of that work with me, and um, we'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks, if that is something that interests you, please feel free to email me, and um, I would love to do a free sample session for you so that you can know if it's something that would help you or even just get a few tricks to get you going in the right direction. Um, I would love to work with you and to get to know you more on a personal basis. So our email address is takethestageopera at gmail.com. And I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. So with that, here is our episode with Daniel Keating Roberts. So I have the pleasure of introducing today's guest artist, which is Daniel Keating Roberts. Hey, Daniel, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you doing? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. It's a little early for me, but I'm here and I'm happy to be here. (laughs) It's so good to have you, Daniel. So Daniel Keating Roberts holds degrees from Sheffield University and the prestigious Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London, England. In 2010, he became the first countertenor to be accepted into the English National Opera Opera Works program. He has such a fun bio. Um, it's like my favorite with bio opera I've companies. ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> he has worked with opera companies all over the world, some of which include the English National Opera, Scottish Opera, Opera Stuttgart, 
um, the Theater Bolshoi, the Globe Theater, and just so many others. Besides his singing credentials, Daniel is a highly sought-after anxiety and performance coach, which is what we're going to talk about today. And um, he has worked as a coach in this area with several different opera companies and master classes. He is also one of the founding members of Voces 8, um, which um, he's not a part of anymore, but for those of you who don't know, it's a leading a cappella group in the UK. And you know, I mean, I'm sure you've all heard of them. They have yeah. great music, and so we're really pleased to have Daniel here with us. Daniel, you do so much, and I had, I like have no idea how you have the mental and physical energy for everything that you do. It is often a challenge. I don't know where I find the mental and physical energy most days as well. I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? These things just kind of add up. Um, you know, I still have plenty of days on the couch like everybody else, but that's good. <laughs> that makes me feel between, better. I managed, exactly. <laughs> but somewhere in between, I managed to, um, you know, do some yeah. singing and do some producing and do yes. some do all the things. coaching and whatever else. You know, COVID has is, is actually been a blessing because it's meant that mm. I've managed to take some of these things that were perhaps sat on the back burner and, mm-hmm. and really take them forward and take them. And I think performance anxiety and coaching. Uh, is one of those lovely things. Yes. So for our listeners, Daniel and I were actually introduced to each other through Karen Cargill, who we just had on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, But I was sitting in on a masterclass that Karen was running, and Daniel actually gave a speech on performance anxiety. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is exactly who we've been looking for. Um, Performance anxiety is such a difficult and deep subject that I wanted to get someone who really knew what they were talking about, especially because performance anxiety is something that I really struggle with even now. Yeah, I think everyone to some extent struggles with it. I mean, you may have performances where you feel pretty comfortable but then all of a sudden there's those odd moments where it just kind of grips you and you maybe you see that one person in the audience and or you have that one negative thought that's kind of nagging you and you know even if you feel like oh I'm pretty comfortable with this <laughs> it can really take over but that that is exactly it Evan I'm going to jump in straight uh straight there um we have had maybe a couple of hundred years worth of evolution as opera singers. It's nothing in the grand scheme of things, but we have had millions of years of evolution as, as a species uh, evolving to survive. And this is the thing about uh, performance anxiety, any kind of anxiety, stress is, is just anxiety spread out over a really long time. Um, all of these things are just our, our brain and body's way of surviving. Mm-hmm. So for people like me, maybe you guys, who uh, had lots of performance anxiety, I've really struggled with it. Um, what my kind of research has led me to is the idea that we are the most evolved people around. And I love this idea that, that if, you know, if there were still dinosaurs trotting around or saber-toothed tigers um, coming in our front doors every other Tuesday, uh, we would be the ones most likely to survive. Because our survival instinct, our anxiety or whatever it is, would kick off and we'd be, we'd be straight out the back door or we'd be punching the tiger in the face or whatever it would take to survive. Um, whereas I think people who are much more relaxed, much more chilled would sit there while the tiger gnawed their, their leg off, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, I, so I love this idea that, you know, because we, in, in our society, anxiety, performance anxiety and performance, it's seen as this, weak, this weakness this thing that we're supposed to conquer or get over or, 
you know, just just beat. And it's not. It's just the body's way of of preparing us for something important. Um, and when we look at the the sort of physiologically, what happens is it's we're we're just being given vast amounts of energy to do yeah. whatever it is we do. I love this idea that you've given us that performance anxiety is actually a strength and not a weakness. It is it is absolutely absolutely a strength. You know, it allows us to really focus when you know, when there's a few thousand people sat in front of us, an orchestra scratching away, uh, and bits of set that sometimes get a bit wobbly and you know, mm-hmm. you can still stay in the moment and stay uh stay producing these lovely noises and doing all this wonderful acting that we're expected to do on stage. So um you touched on this, but why exactly does anxiety happen, especially in a performance setting where you know anxiety happens because we've evolved to like be afraid of things but we kind of know that nothing is going to happen to us that is truly dangerous in a performance setting so why does it happen in yeah so why in performance because uh our brains have no idea what a performance is specifically oh. the 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 limbic brain so the bit at the back of the brain which takes over when it feels like we're in danger uh, and this bit of the brain is all about survival. It controls it does your heart, your lungs. First bit of the brain to develop in the womb. Uh, interestingly, the larynx develops not long after that. Um, so you can guess how intrinsically linked those two things are. Uh, and this is, uh, people call it the caveman brain or the lizard brain or, I don't know, the survival brain, whatever it is. And part of the job of this brain is to learn, to learn basically what's going to kill us. Mm. So we, we uh, as we go through our lives, we uh, have these moments where um, something will be overwhelming. Um, and in psychology, we call these, these moments traumas. But that sounds like such a big word. You know, it's reserved for people who come back from war zones. Or, um, but really what that means is just any moment in your life when it's been a bit too fast, a bit too much, a bit overwhelming, and your body and your brain have thought, oh, I didn't like that. And so your Olympic brain, it remembers these moments uh, as danger moments. So when we were cavemen, it would have protected you from the really deep lake or the, the cave where the bear lived or whatever. Uh, but in our modern, very comfortable lives, we, we learn much more simple dangers, like you go out on stage and it's a bit overwhelming. You try to remember a piece of music you haven't really learned and it's a bit <laughs> overwhelming. And so these, these little moments imprint themselves uh, in literally in the back of our mind mm. <laughs> and then the brain is so highly developed to keep us from these dangers that it starts to anticipate the danger oh. so uh, you know if I start saying to you the word audition everybody's heart's going to cramp up you know what I mean uh, because that is so loaded with overwhelming moments with you know the flight that you rushed and almost missed or perhaps you did miss and oh my the train gosh. was late and the you know and the time you stood up on stage it didn't quite go right and the pianist dropped the music and all of this stuff is layered into us as dangers and we have these these huge reactions to it these big reactions that, that physically lock us up because for our brain it's it's life and death you know, that's all the brain knows is survival. Am I going, is it going to kill me or am I going to live through it? Um, and the funny thing is that, that the more this, uh, this reaction happens, this uh, anticipation of the danger, so you start squeezing up and locking up the minute you start thinking about it, the heart starts going. If at the end of that reaction, you're still alive, the brain thinks you've done a really good job. Mm. So of course it goes, oh, next time, let's do that again do because it obviously thing. works because I'm still here living and breathing. So, oh my god! So these reactions only snowball over time, um, 
So if you were 10 years old and you'd done a few more auditions, that heart cramping, when I said the word audition, is only going to get worse until you start <laughs> learning how to break the cycle, uh, how to persuade your brain that perhaps it's not life or death. Perhaps in this moment, when you're stood up and there's a panel and they're all smiling, uh, uh, watching, judging, uh, they're, they're not, not going to jump up on stage and try and eat you. Um, <laughs> And that's and that's that's the challenge of our of us as singers. You know, we intellectualize it in these these such beautiful fancy ways, but what it boils down to is: Am I going to live or am I going to die? You know. You said that until we can break that cycle and kind of have some strategies to deal with that. So, what what do you recommend? What 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 do we do? <laughs> what do we do? This is the, this is the whole point, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> how do we get around it? You know, this is the reason people are going to tune in. Um, and I think to answer that, I want to just touch on what it is, why it affects us the way it does. So um, I think we can all relate to a lot of these. Uh, so first of all, some part of you will uh, decide that there's a danger. Something dangerous is happening. This wonderful shot of chemicals goes into your body, which potentially could last just 90 seconds. When you, when you get this, this, that scared feeling, that could last 90 seconds. Um, but your brain interprets the situation and decides whether to perpetuate those chemicals or whether to just end them because you're safe. Very important thing to remember. We'll come back to it in a bit. So this chemical stuff goes into your body, mostly cortisol, adrenaline, uh, and the cortisol tells your body to shut down anything that's not important. So that's things like digestion, um, a lot of the little body processes that go on, and prepare your body for fight or flight. So your breathing goes very shallow. You start breathing super quick because that's what you need to run away very quickly. Um, uh, I still haven't quite worked out why your mouth goes dry. I have no idea why a dry <laughs> mouth would help you survive yes. a tiger, but I'm working on that one. I'm working on all, all of these. Um, uh, and of course, in the brain, it's a whole different story. So uh, your, your brain has, has a similar thing as the body. These chemicals um, shut down anything that they don't think is important. So for the brain, that means things like memory recall. That means things like cognitive thought. So being able to process what's going on, you know, be logical. You know, I think we've all been there in, in master classes and stuff where we stood up and they said something like, you know, turn and look at the piano. And you, you're spinning in circles <laughs> going, what is a piano? What is turning? And it's not because you're a terrible person or because you're a bad singer or an awful musician. It's just because the part of your brain that would tell you there's a piano, turn and look at it, has turned itself off in favour mm. of the back bit of the brain, which is trying to trying to find, trying to focus in on whatever it is in the room that's going to kill you, you know. So this adrenaline's, I, I've, I've had it loads, uh, this adrenaline's burning, burning through your, the energy in your body to, to, to give you the energy that you need. And so you're getting hot. And I've, I've often thought, how hot do I need to get before I actually die on stage? You know? <laughs> so it's like the logic brain's completely gone out the window. And, and my, my, the analytical uh, limbic brain, uh, is taking over and just trying to spot the spot the dangers, you know, and it's making your um, muscles quiver because then you could take action. They're ready to take action. Some people their muscles lock up completely um, because, of course, if you freeze in front of a dinosaur in front of lots of animals, you become invisible. So like, we've all we've all had that. I've, I've been sat there with my fingers tingling, going, "That's because my shoulders are rock solid <laughs> because they're trying to be invis- invisible." You know, and if this carries on, I'm pretty sure my fingers are going to fall off. Oh uh, my gosh! So, 
it, it's it's so bizarre, isn't it? What we do to ourselves um, in the name of survival, um, because we're just not we're just not evolved for the idea that we're wearing a shirt and tie for the first time, <laughs> and and standing up in pe- in front of people trying to sing some handle. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So I had an experience where I was asked to sing at a master class last minute. So I picked a song I was very comfortable with. I knew I could sing it in my sleep. Stood up. I didn't couldn't remember one word of the song. And we like, you know, we stopped and the the coach who was doing the masterclass was started asking me some questions trying to get me to relax a little bit. But the questions that she asked were like, "What is the opera?" I couldn't remember the opera. Who is your character? I couldn't remember. It was like every part of my brain had shut down. Oh, no. (laughs) And I still carry shame from that experience. But I guess what my brain is telling me right now is like, you know what, Evan? It's okay. You can let go of that experience. Like that experience doesn't define me as a stupid person or as... Absolutely not. I mean, the opposite. It means that you are the peak of human existence right now. <laughs> if we still had tigers floating around, you'd still be alive, you know. Um, and, and so, and it is just, you know, these, these processes that go on, they still have a place in our modern lives, you know. Uh, I think, Evan, you, you've got kids and um, I'm sure that a hundred times a day your spidey senses are tingling and you're saving your kid from something potentially life-threatening. You know, we all avoid the dark park or we uh, are careful of the bus stop late at night or... Whatever it is, you know, the, these instincts still have a place for us. Um, it's just not on the stage when we're trying to sing mm-hmm. beautifully. So are we trying to turn this around? How do we, you know, there's this like all this energy that you said. It's like a superpower. It's absolutely a superpower if you can direct it into your voice and into the, the thing that you're trying to do. Um, so we talked before about the, the limbic brain, the bit at the back of the brain. Now, the, the opposite part of your brain, the, the sort of um, uh, Batman to your supervillain, is the front part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is where you keep uh, your senses, your, anything sensory, anything visceral, anything creative. And so if we can activate that part of the brain, then it's like train tracks. The, the analytical part, which is um, uh, firing away at the back of the brain, stops working in favour of letting you get on with being creative. So if you think about like actors, we've we've known this as actors for years, that you get into the character and you, you know, really feel the the roughness of the hands and the whole backstory of where your characters come from, the coal mining town, you know. But no one's ever told us why or why it's so important to carry that on into performance. Um, You know, even in our singing lessons, we use lots of imagery, which is exactly what this is, it's activating the prefrontal cortex to get us out of the analytical part of our brain, um, which is trying to find what's going to kill us and into something more present um uh, and we use these images all the time in our singing lessons but so rarely do we carry it through into performance when it's really useful when the stress is really built up and when it's really gonna uh affect us um it's funny as as i'm rambling i'm catching myself going oh must talk about that oh must talk about that (laughs) um and that is the so so i'm going to take them one point at a time analytical um so if you think about how we we learn as singers it is all about the analysis isn't it when we're in a master class when we go to music college it's all about hmm let's think about that and pick it apart and let's feel the voice and go into um you know what what is my cricket thyroid doing today uh and it's all this very analytical stuff um, so we practice day in, day out, 
this very analytical approach to our own uh, singing experience. Um, and of course, that analytical part of the brain, right there in the limbic brain. So we're basically giving ourselves a highway into fight or flight, into, into you know, what's going to kill me, into shutting the body mm. down, shutting the brain down. Um, so we as performers, one of the really interesting things I get people to do is just to practice uh, not being analytical. Mm. <laughs> you know, take your pieces, run them all through, run the images, run the, the sensory, the, the, run the film that you're going to watch while you're, um, while you're doing it. Um, you know, run run any part of the performance that isn't. Oh, what is my voice doing? How is my technique yeah. today? Uh, is that is that pianist playing all the right notes? Just and and the more pathways you can get to just running it, just having that freedom, um, just to actual performance, uh, the better. And so, you like while you're practicing, you sing or or like you talked about maybe seeing the film that you that you're watching while you're singing. Do you practice that without the singing, I, or do you? I I when I'm when I'm singing when I'm performing, I pick images that are related to the piece of music, or perhaps related to me technically, or whatever I'm trying to achieve in that moment, um, and I create them as a film, and I watch this film running by all the time, the whole time I'm singing. You know, maybe I'm growing a tree and the tree's making apples and apples are dropping. Or, um, you know, maybe I've, I've been studying operas before, f- shooting fire from my hands when it's something uh, bravura and handle. Uh, or, you know, pouring colours out my tummy or whatever it is that, that whatever it takes to keep me right up here in the front brain. Um, mm. And out of the analytical brain, out of uh, the response, um, out of uh, reaction. Um, and while I, while I remember all these things that I'm babbling about, uh, anxiety and stress, we, we think of it as this thing that just happens to us. It just happens before performance. It's absolutely not like that at all. It's, uh, it's a brick wall. It's like a brick wall and it builds up over time. All these little stresses, you know, like the, I forgot my cufflinks. Oh my God. Uh, the conductor's being mean to me. Oh, and it, and slowly it builds up until it affects us so much that we, that we can't perform, you know, we can't see over the brick wall. Um, so advice I would give straight away to singers is uh, take as many of those bricks out of the wall as is humanly possible. It sometimes does happen that that brick wall gets built right up. And, you know, I've been there in the concerts just just going, uh, you know, what, how, how big a fire would it take for this concert not to have to go on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the feeling is so, so overwhelming. Like, I just really, I, I can't do this today. Even in really nice uh, uh, concerts. Um, so in those moments when it gets really too much, one of the things that we can always access is the breath. Because breath mm. is essential for life. So your limbic brain is still going, I've got to, I've got to breathe. Even though it's dangerous, I've still got to get oxygen in, carbon dioxide out. So uh, in, the, in those really intense moments, the perceived wisdom is that you take a big breath. But of course, if you're in fight or flight reaction, your ribs are breathing super shallow. And every time you take a deep breath, you're just building that pressure even more. Uh, so the answer is to breathe all the way out and connect with something that we oh. as singers absolutely know, which is triggering that phrenic nerve atop the diaphragm, which causes the reflex action. <gasps> Full release breath in. Huh. Wow. So that just just for a second, 
allows the body to communicate to the brain uh, that it might be okay. You might be safe. There might be no dinosaurs because the body's feeling okay. <laughs> and that just, just might give you enough room to then get up into the front brain and start being creative. Uh, or perhaps perhaps start to allow other bits of the brain, um, like the senses, to work. So there's this beautiful mindfulness exercise uh, that people use for generalised anxiety, not just for performance anxiety. But it works really well when you're sat you know, waiting for your audition or whatever it is. Uh, and it's called the 54321 exercise. So you sit there and in the present moment, you identify five things that you can see. So you name five things that you can see in the space around you. Uh, then you name four things that you can feel. So your weight in the chair, the clothes on you, maybe the floor underneath your feet, uh, maybe the breeze from the open window, whatever it is. Uh, three things that you can hear, birds singing, the whir of my laptop right now, uh, the ruffle of my, my jumper, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. And that's enough to bring you, but it's called, they call it present, becoming present. That's what they talk about in mindfulness. And what that means for your brain is being able to access what's around you. So what's important to know about these trauma moments is that trauma is never processed into a timeline. So in order to, to make it more effective for you as a survival technique, these trauma moments, we remember them as if they're still happening, as if they're happening right now, um, mm -hmm. because then we're more likely to avoid the danger. So doing something like mindfulness, where you become present, becoming, uh, we talk about becoming present in the performance, all of this kind of stuff, all it is is keeping you out of survival mode, uh, persuading the, the trauma or the danger that you're completely safe right now. Um, and instead of uh, getting the tunnel vision that you get for survival mode where you're trying to pick out the danger, you get to literally widen your focus and go, OK, I'm just in a room. There's a bit of an echo. It's a bit dusty. <laughs> I'm a bit sweaty. You know, you, you widen your focus to go, OK, I'm here right now and there's no tigers. So I, this is so funny to me because and by funny, I mean, it's like not funny. It kind of makes me feel really <laughs> sad. <laughs> Be and the reason I say that it feels so sad is because I do these exercises with my own kids, especially my daughter right. feels quite anxious about things. And I've done this five, four, three, two, one sort of thing with her or like a gazillion different exercises. And I'm willing to sit down with her emotion and help her to deal with it. Uh, sometimes I'm not so patient, but when I am <laughs> sure. feeling patient, I sit down with her, you know, and we, we go through these exercises. But how come I don't do that for myself? It's so bizarre, isn't it? It's, be it's because uh, we, it's all about being efficient. So we want to be efficient singers. So we focus on, you know, on singing, on all the things that come with that. Uh, we, we, you know, it becomes our job. And we absolutely, um, the idea of being creative with our own process would just never occur to us because it doesn't make us efficient at the, at the task, which is singing. Um, yeah, it is so bizarre. That and of course the 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 uh, thinking around singing, you know, the very old school. You stand, you you let it all out. It's all about the voice, um, and I think that recently we've had to become much more complete artists mm -hmm. and do acting and be connected and all this other stuff, which of course opens up a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of horrors. 
<laughs> in your mind. So we're, we're up against a whole lot more. Um, and the idea of, I mean, sports people, they have psychologists from the minute mm-hmm. they you know, pick up a tennis racket or um, e- even in society, it's not something that we really talk about. You know, mental health is, is a very recent thing. Yeah. Um, and what I, what I love is, uh, you know, I love being able to come on a podcast like this or something and just explain the bare essentials of what's going on. Um, just to demystify it. So it's not this, this great thing that is out of your control or this thing that is happening to you or affecting you. Um, it's something that you are creating and that's fine. Mm. It's completely okay to have this happen. It is a normal process and it makes you an evolved human being. That is all. And then being able to take that energy and go, do you know what, actually, I'm going to think of a tree growing and focus, bring all that energy into making that tree grow. Um, forget my technique who needs technique in this moment when i'm trying to perform uh you know i smell the air i breathe the air i'm right here and i'm growing this tree and i'm and i'm making it happen um and that's how we can that is how we turn our performances from uh you know from these performance anxiety riddled horrific events into something joyful um yeah it's interesting when i ask people how do they how do you feel about your singing you know, when was the last time you enjoyed singing? It's a question that yes. I sometimes find myself asking, uh, asking clients. Uh, and the answer isn't always a good one. You know, I, I um, grew up in choirs. I, I was a chorister for many years. And even when I was at the Guildhall uh, studying opera, I was still, you know, because you've got to pay the bills, still going out into London and, and singing with these wonderful people, these wonderful choirs. Um, but it, it was all about getting it right. And for me, that was that was not what I was into and not what I wanted to do. I wanted to express something, you know, yeah. uh, have real emotion in these in this beautiful music. And so I found it a very unfulfilling experience. It became this awful uh, thing around. And I started singing terribly in choirs. And then I would go out and sing, you know, wonderful solo concerts. And I just couldn't reconcile the two. Um, and it was just about the feeling it turned into a negative feeling. And I... At that time, no one had ever taught me any of this stuff. I hadn't learned any of this. And nobody was teaching because it was just not something that was ever addressed in any kind of establishment that I, I was ever in. Um, now, knowing that I could, just, I could just change that feeling, I could just, you know, turn it around. I could, my brain has all the resources to be able to, uh, to fix it. Um, how long have I got on this podcast, by the way? I'd love to do a little exercise. Oh, we would love a, an exercise. That would be Let's great. do it. Really? I mean, I, mean, yeah. I mean, I'd love to do about 10 different exercises. I could talk for <laughs> hours about the subject. Uh, but I feel like uh, one, of my, one of my favorite ones, just to convince you of how utterly dumb your brain is, <laughs> is, uh, is to recognize the feelings of anxiety and how they are, uh, how they, how they are for you. Um, because, of course, everyone experiences everything individually. Um, yeah. And I, I couldn't come on a podcast like this without saying that any emotion that you have, any reaction, any performance anxiety, whatever it is, uh, if that feeling to you is real, then it is real. It, is, it, it yeah. exists. You are allowed to give it this time and space. You're allowed to give it the consideration uh, to take care of it, to, um, yeah, just, just to say, you know, I hear you. It's, it's just yeah. your body or your brain trying to talk to you. Uh, and the idea that we, that the perceived wisdom is that you have to fight, fight these feelings. And of course, 
when has fighting yourself ever Mm -hmm. achieved anything you know you cannot stress yourself better at singing you cannot uh, hate yourself good at performance Mm. Uh, it doesn't work that way you have to just accept how you are and then you can grow from that yeah my therapist actually says that when you have anxiety you should thank your body for for giving you those feelings because it's trying to protect you and then once you like think and acknowledge that those feelings are real then your body can be like okay i can put those feelings away and that has been very helpful for me that is wonderful i hope anyone listening will absolutely listen to what you just said <laughs> so gratitude is the perfect place to be able to then address things because it's a safe space uh, and you should absolutely thank those parts of your body because at whatever time in your life that these thoughts these ideas these defense mechanisms developed it was necessary you needed it to survive that situation. And so it did a good job. So thanking it is the only natural thing that you can do. Thank you very much for getting me through that, that awful audition or getting me through <laughs> that, uh, you know, that, that show that I had to do when I was a kid. Um, because at some stage it was necessary. All of these things were necessary. And then it's our job as, you know, as grown up uh, people to be able to go, okay, well, thank you for doing that. But Maybe I don't need this anymore. Right. Maybe in this moment, maybe in the show, I'm, I'm safe and it's fine. I can connect with something else to get me to a different place. There's another way to achieve that same, uh, same level of, of safety. Yeah. Um, uh, so going back to this, this lovely exercise. So I want you to just touch, just touch on the, the feeling of performance anxiety. So when you stand up in front of that panel or that masterclass and just, uh, just from a distance, notice where in your body it affects you, where you feel it, what it feels like, um, describe it for yourself in your mind, and just notice it. And then I want you to imagine that you are a child at a fairground, and there's the candy floss and the noise in the machines, and there's people screaming, and there's the rides going by, and someone says to you, Oh my god, let's go on the big roller coaster. And I just want you to acknowledge where you feel that in your body. Now, imagine you're at a swimming pool, and you're really good at swimming, and you've gone to the top of the 10 meter diving board for the first time, and there's the smell of the chlorine and there's the water splashing and there's a kid screaming and you get about halfway down that diving board uh, with a concrete under your feet and I just want you to acknowledge how that feels. Where does that, where does that sit in your body? Uh, and lastly, I want you to imagine someone uh, that you really fancy, someone you're really in love with, someone you just think is so hot and I want you to imagine them sat right next to you and you haven't spoken to them yet and I just want you to acknowledge where that feeling is in your body and now I'm going to ask you how close were those feelings to each other those very different feelings we had performance anxiety excitement uh, love um, diving board um, how similar were they? were they were they even could you even say that they were basically the same feeling yeah yes because this is the thing you're you're thank you <laughs> <laughs> your body has very few ways of communicating with you it basically just goes you know something <laughs> and then your brain takes that information and goes okay what is it what is it what is it and tries to give it a label and give you a direction or a way of surviving or a way out of it or a way through it or whatever it is or to take over and, and completely 
uh, go fight or flight and and uh, uh, yeah find find the danger way out of it. Um, wow, I feel like the universe is screaming at me this morning because I, this is my second call today. You talked about this being an early day. I was on a call <laughs> this morning, and one of the people I was talking to said, "Your body doesn't know the difference between." anxiousness and excitement Mm. and so if you can change the anxious thought into an excited thought and I'm like this is like I'm so excited to go on that roller coaster but I am not excited to sing for that audition panel (laughs) right but in in terms of what's happening in your body it's exactly the same it's just energy it's just oh my god now so (laughs) Well, yeah, okay, let's just do another exercise. I'm just, I'm just rolling off exercises here. This is wonderful. Uh, so I want you to uh, think about what you just said and about standing up in front of that audition panel and how horrific it is and how you feel absolutely terrible. Uh, and now I want you to imagine being, being a kid and you're at the fairground and someone said, let's go to the, on the big roller coaster and here's some candy floss and here's uh, a big bar of chocolate and here's a soda. And by the way, we're coming back here again tomorrow. <laughs> like imagine how awesome that would feel I really want you to feel it in your body okay and now I want you to physicalize that so if you were to go oh my god we're coming here tomorrow like what would you what would you do what would your hands do what would your arms do what would your body exactly your body would open right up and I want you to make the noise of excitement the noise of what that would feel like just go go for it nobody's listening and this your throat would open up and you would just let it out you know what I mean so your body is open up your throat is open up your voice is just working because anyone who's ever spent any time around kids knows that their bodies just just go they just know they what do. to do I, I wish I could command my body uh, my big grown up body like a child does to make that kind of noise I'd be the greatest opera singer alive yes um <laughs> So, yeah, so just just uh, next time you're in that situation where you uh, where you 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 start these negative feelings around the stuff that should be really exciting because this is our job we do it every day and we love it and we're so lucky to do it uh, start going okay okay so if this was something else and I had all of this same exact same stuff flowing around in my body how would I feel about it you know we just we just experienced the idea that the excitement for a child mm. and you are connected to that because you know ex- you both of you I was watching you knew exactly that your body opens up your throat opens up the breath just connects which it turns out is pretty good stuff for singing <laughs> so if you can just go okay I know what this feels like let's just go ah we can take all that energy and do exactly what kids do ah except a handle comes out your chops you know <laughs> Um, and it's, it was so interesting, Evan, that you were talking about uh, using this stuff with your kid, with your child, um, because it is there that, that it's really important to start uh, learning how to, you know, this emotional education, which uh, older generations just didn't have, that we are so lucky now to have a parent like Evan who's going to his kid, okay, let's do five, four, three, two, one, <laughs> let's, let's reset this situation. Because uh, those trauma moments that I was talking about earlier on, um, those moments, I keep calling them the traumas, we shouldn't call them traumas, just any time when it's a bit much, a bit overwhelming, a bit fast. I'm sure you know as a parent, Evan, that that is, for a kid, that's basically all of the time. <laughs> everything is overwhelming, everything is too much, everything is too fast. Um, and the prime time for us learning these, these survival moments, learning how to navigate through life, the prime time for that is between four and 11 years old. 
So this time in our life when we know nothing, we have no logic to process anything, everything is an emotional roller coaster. we're then deciding the rules that govern our life for the next 60, 70 years, you know. And not only that, we learn them so strongly that they then become our identity. So, you know, we get afraid of stuff. So we're like, okay, well, if I behave, if my, if my body shuts me down physically uh, and I become what we in society call shy, then we get to avoid the dangerous stuff. And so you, you tell yourself that then becomes your identity. I am a shy person. You know, all of these, these the, we call them fundamental beliefs. It's these things that we believe so strongly that to our brain are absolute life and death that we then translate into an identity, into a persona. So we don't have to believe those. <laughs> we absolutely, uh, you made it, made it up when you were like six years old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you, if you were to have a conversation now with that same six-year-old, with six-year-old you and go, okay, so yes, it turns out the remote control didn't operate the curtains, but that doesn't make you bad with technology. You know, or just because you didn't want to kiss granny who smells of cigarettes doesn't mean that you don't like old people right. or, you know, any of these things. Like, you can just have that logical conversation. But they are programmed. They are part of us. We hold on to them so deeply because we've had that process of uh, taking the action, taking the defensive action, taking the, the anticipation working. And so it becomes so ingrained in us uh, that actually that's a very difficult conversation to have because... You're basically saying to your brain, why don't you jump off a cliff? Why don't you jump into the tiger's den? You know, um, so that's why, that's why we, we feel this performance anxiety stuff so strongly and why it's so important to manage those moments and become present and use the creativity and use all these tools that, uh, that I teach people in these wonderful sessions um, where we, we get to go a little bit deeper and, and get to address, okay, so where does this come from? Where do you first feel this, this sensation, you know? Uh, and start to go, okay, so with the benefit of time and hindsight, how does that feel to you now? How would you address that? Um, and, and create uh, pathways, uh, schedules for people to, to, depending on how their own brain works. Of course, everyone's brain responds differently. Some people, when they go into the imagery brain, it's all colours and it's spraying everyone, it's magical lights. Some people, they like text, they like it written down. <laughs> You know, depending on... Right. Uh, so it's it's really important to find your own way because you are not like anybody else. You are completely unique. Nobody else has had your life experiences, um, your upbringing, your every, everything. Um, yeah, and, and so we we spend these individual sessions addressing individual people and finding the way through for them. Great. Daniel, so how can our listeners reach out to you if they if they're interested, if they need some help with this? Uh, if anybody wants to find out more about this, I am always available for a chat. Uh, if you want a personal session, uh, I have a website, www.danielkrsinging.com. Daniel K-R, as the letters K-R. Yeah, Daniel singing. Keating Roberts, K-R, the letters yeah. K-R. Uh, unfortunately, because it's a website address, I can't have the lovely hyphen in the middle of that. Um, that, that sounds so posh. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, just look me up, send me a message. You know, any, if anyone has any questions about this stuff, uh, just send me a message. If anyone wants to know about opera singing, I, I live in Hamburg right now, so uh, I have some experience of the German system. Just send me a message, get in touch. I, uh, it turns out I have a bit of extra free time on my hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I love talking to people. Um, so yeah, just, just reach out. I'm right here. 
Thank you so much, Daniel. You're like so generous and giving with all of your knowledge. We really appreciate that. Hey, uh, uh, as someone once told me, uh, a rising tide floats all boats. I think that if we, <laughs> if we all, if we all, you know, we can all grow together. There's no mm-hmm. reason why, seeing as we, we, it's so part of the system that we shut ourselves off, that we compete against each other. Yes. It just doesn't help anybody. We need to talk together, be together, help each other. And it will only make for better connections, better performances, um, better people, you know. We have so much to talk to you about, Daniel. So one of these days, we're going to have you back. That would be wonderful. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. So many wonderful things to talk about. So for our listeners out there, remember, you are strong, beautiful. You're capable of great things. You can learn new thoughts. You can learn new beliefs about yourself and um, and take those into your future career. So keep working, bettering yourselves, bettering your art, because we need you to change the world with your voices. So stop waiting in the wings. Keep singing, my friends. In Boca Lupo. In Boca Lupo. In Boca Lupo. <laughs> That's beautiful, Evan. Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you for listening to another episode of Take the Stage Opera Podcast. We love hearing from you, so please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review. It helps us to continue delivering quality material. 